Hello and welcome to this episode of the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast. First, thank you for listening and if you enjoy this episode, please remember to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you're listening. Also, make sure you follow us on Instagram at No Gimmicks Just Sweat. No Gimmicks Just Sweat was started to showcase people from all walks of life sharing their particular fitness journeys. Everyone has a different story and everyone has a different reason behind their journey. Hopefully these stories will not only inspire you, but also help you aspire to heights you've never thought possible. Again, thank you for listening, and now, let's get it started. Welcome to No Gimmicks Just Sweat, and today we have Sophie Lambert as I guess. Sophie, how are you doing today? I'm great, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being on the show. All right. So as we start um, all the shows, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you a couple of icebreaker questions to get things started, okay? Okay, sounds great. All right. Morning runs or evening runs? Morning runs. Um, I think there's been a little bit of a joke, though. I, I, I'm not an early morning runner, but my stomach does not do quite as well with evening runs. And I love just getting my run, <laughs> my run done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Road runs or trail runs? So I would say I probably do the majority of my running on the roads. Um, but I love, I love trail running. I find it, especially if I'm by myself, a great way to just connect with nature and to appreciate, you know, the beauty around me. But I do probably the majority right. of my running on roads. And um, I also love gravel roads and dirt roads. So I'm always kind of searching for new places to run. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, solo runs or group runs? So again, I probably do the majority of my running by myself. Um, but I'm lucky. I live in a small town in Virginia, and we have a pretty vibrant running community. And I've made some really good friends through running. So I, I enjoy the, the social aspect, especially during the pandemic of running with one or two friends. And then um, in training, I've actually also really appreciated having people to run with for workouts. So a bit of both, I guess. Cool. All right. Run on a treadmill or run outside? Definitely outside. I feel like the treadmill is a little bit of my nemesis. Um, but I, I love being outside. I mean, I'll run in the snow and the rain, uh, maybe not lightning, right? But I do love oh, yeah, running yeah, outside. Definitely not lightning. <laughs> Yeah, lightning is not a good idea. All right, what's your favorite distance to race? Oh, that is so hard. I, I ran track growing up, so I kind of have this oh, secret okay. spot for the, the short, fast stuff, even though, of course, it hurts hurts so much. Um, but I think the marathon is is really special. It's you know such a challenging distance. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd say I don't really have a favorite. I just love, I do love racing. So maybe it's more that, you know, throw me in anything and I'll try to make it fun. <laughs> I hear you. All right. If you can go on a run with anyone, um, that's a celebrity, a famous athlete, um, an entertainer, dead or alive, who would it be? Gosh, that is so hard. I, do, I did notice. In, in some videos that were on social media that when our new vice president, Kamala Harris, got the call from Joe, 
she looked like she was out on a run. So I, I think it would be pretty cool to go for a run with her and just kind of hear her story. She lived in Canada for a while and so did I. And just oh, okay. hear what it's like to be, you know, such a powerful woman. Cool. All right, last question. Dream location you would want to go for a run at? Anywhere in the world? Wow. I think I'd love to go somewhere that's high altitude. I've, I, I think I, on a work trip once, ran in Denver, and I think I almost died. Um, so <laughs> I think it would be really cool to kind of experience the challenge of running at altitude, but not just for, you know, a one or two day work visit, but, you know, that experience where you could go and, and be there for a few weeks and just see, you know, how hard it is at first. And then are there any adaptations to your body? I think that would be really cool. So I don't know, does that mean um, St. Moritz, the Alps, or maybe Flagstaff or Boulder? I, something like that would be oh, really okay. cool. Cool, cool. All right. So as we start um, the show, we kind of want to start with your story. And think of it as your origin story. Think of it as like you're a superhero. What's your origin story? How did you get to be from point A before you started running to where you are now as a runner? So it starts quite a long time ago. I have this vivid memory as a little girl. And, um, you know, I mentioned I, I lived in Canada, but I also am originally from the UK. So I was born in London. My parents are British. Um, and, you know, we don't have, in London, if you go to school in London, you don't have big playgrounds. Like, you don't have anywhere really to run around. You might just have a, a small area to play football or soccer, you know, or soccer, right? Um, right. But they, they would take us to a park. And I have this memory, I was probably about eight, seven or eight, of, of being taken to a park somehow. I have no idea how we got there. And we had to go run. And... I kind of beat like a lot of the boys and was one of the first kids to complete this loop in a park. I have no idea what the distance was. And of course, everyone was like, oh, you're a good runner. You should run um, and was invited to this kind of little track team that our primary school had. And I remember running these kind of sprint races in a track meet. Um, and then my mom and I moved to Vancouver in Canada and my elementary school, I was in grade five or four, um, grade five, I think. So fifth grade, we had a cross country team. And so that kind of sparked competitive running for me. And I did it, you know, those last couple of years in elementary school, we'd have like five or six meets against the other elementary schools. Um, and I really loved cross country and, you know, my best friend in elementary school and then secondary school also ran as well. So it was both social, but also something, you know, this kind of physical challenge that I enjoyed. Um, and of course, all of us who were running cross country were also running track. And um, in, in Canadian spirit, I went to the secondary school. So it was seven through 12, we were all together. Um, so we would go to these track meets with the 17 and 18 year olds and watch how fast they were running. Um, so I loved both disciplines. Um, I played a little bit of tennis also and was just a very active kid growing up. Um, in track, I ran the 1500 and 3000. I remember vividly running one 800 meter race and saying never again. <laughs> um, but I joined a track club and kind of ran during the summers. I really think though with track, I peaked at like age 13, 14 when I went to our provincial meet and then was never as, 
as good again. Um, you know, I think a lot, of, some of this is maybe going through puberty, right? So I kind of peaked at age 13, 14, and then cross country, I went to our provincial meet once, but you know, I was just kind of like middle of the pack cross country runner, but, but did love it. Um, then I moved to the States um, for university. I went to a small division three liberal arts college in Massachusetts and had really thought I was gonna run. Um, I went to the very first meeting with the coach. Um, she was quite an intimidating figure. She coached cross country, indoor and outdoor. And I'd never heard of indoor track. I'm like, what is this? You run inside? Like, um, and she basically was probably trying to weed out those of us who weren't 100% in and basically said every single weekend while you're in college, you're gonna be at a race. And I had actually already started to feel anxiety before races. Um, and so I think, I think it was just too much. I was like, you know what? I think I'm just burnt out. So I ended up not running in college, um, which sometimes I look back and regret a little bit, but mostly it, it kind of enabled me to focus on my academics, but also play some other sports. So I played JV tennis for a couple of years. I played ultimate frisbee, which probably was very helpful for endurance. And then I also played a squash, that, uh, sorry, a sport that's popular in Canada, squash. Um, and we would have to go on the track occasionally and do a workout. And I would be lapping people and even my coach. And he would be like, why are you playing squash? Like, why aren't you running? <laughs> So that was kind of funny. Um, then I went to grad school, ran just for fun. So I've always kept running, but you know, maybe once a week or once every couple weeks versus now where it's six or seven days a week. Um, moved to Washington, DC. Um, and then something must've, I must've somehow caught the running bug again. I can't really remember what did it. Maybe it was some of my ultimate Frisbee friends because I played um, on a, club team in DC for several years there. And some of those friends ran. So I think it must've been with them. And I started doing some races and I would just kind of be thrilled if I ran a seven minute mile in any sort of race um, at these kind of shorter distances. And then something, I think I had a coworker who was training for a marathon and I was very curious. I thought she was nuts, but I was curious. Like I, I definitely was wanting to know more about what she was doing. So I ran my first marathon um, in the spring of 2006, um, that was my best marathon. It was super hilly. It was in DC. Um, and then I ran three more. I trained for a few extras, but you know, of course it's really hard to complete a training cycle healthy. So I had a couple injuries or I was just super sick, um, but ran a couple more. My last marathon was Chicago of 2009. Then I took a 10 year break. Um, and now as I've kind of really come back into running, I feel like there are a lot of, of runners, especially women, maybe mothers who've taken this long break. And in a way, maybe it's an advantage, right? Because we come back maybe hungrier, more disciplined, able to balance things better. Um, so I came back, I, I had ran, I had my first, my first child in 2011, ran during my pregnancy, obviously not racing, but just running, trying to stay healthy ran one half marathon after she was born and then nothing until um, kind of the fall of 2018 where a good friend of mine in my town had run Chicago and oh man, she, you know, just hearing about it made me miss, miss that world that just had been this kind of gap in my life. 
So I was like, okay, I'm going to jump in, into a workout with you. And it was a track workout in December of 2018. And man, I almost died. I quit halfway through. I was like, I'm so unfit. I'll never be fast again. And of course, you just have to show up and be consistent. And I, you know, I did get fast again. And so I, I started training um, for a half marathon, just a Hal Higdon plan, right? That's what I'd used before. So I was like, sure, I'll use a Hal Higdon plan again. And trained for a half marathon um, and then found the Charlottesville track club. My, the town I live in is about 35 minutes from Charlottesville. Um, and they had a training program for a marathon. So I was like signed up for Chicago 2019, trained with the track club. And they have a very dedicated um, coach who writes a plan for like hundreds of runners. It was pretty amazing. Ran Chicago and and beat my my time from when I was in my late 20s. So I was thrilled oh, wow. and it just kind of, um, you know, showed me you're back, you love this, this is really an important part of your life. And so since December of 2018, you know, I've been running and training and just have fallen in love with running all over again. You, you, were, you were in love with running and you just took a break and then you came back. You're right. I mean, I probably never stopped loving running, right? Like I'm obsessed right. with the Olympics and would, you know, follow the runners and, uh, you know, all of that. And yeah, that was the question I was going to ask during that break time where you stopped running. Did you still follow the sport? Yes, not as obsessively as I do now, where I could probably rattle okay. off a hundred elite runners, what what club they're with, <laughs> what their PRs are, and all that kind of stuff. So, but I did. I mean, and you know, it, at that point, I was still living in Washington D.C. So we moved to this small town you know, about eight years ago. But you know, there are a lot of races happening. So during my break, I'd see a race happening. I'd be like, "Oh, I wish I was running that." So I think it's always been an important part of me. And I think that just getting out for a run, you still love running if you're doing that. You don't have to be training hard to, to love running. So, exactly. Um, you know, it's just exactly. a difference between kind of running for fun and fitness versus setting goals and really working hard to achieve them. And I, I think both have had a role in my life. And I'm just in a phase right now where, all right, I'm in my early 40s. What, what can I achieve? Right. All right, so looking at how you trained before when you first started running and how you train now, what's, what's been the big difference? So I'll compare when I was training, let's say for my, I think it was a 325 was my first marathon. Um, and I just, you know, had this piece of paper, the Hal Higdon Intermediate Plan, and I would just mark off, um, what I did, right? So did I do this run? Check. No, no tracking of miles or paces. Um, I don't think I, I maybe went on a track once. I kind of have this memory of running up some kind of gnarly hills in DC a few times, but I mean, it was basically just a lot of running and, and, and I had just my little Timex stopwatch I would do a run and I would either have mapped it out before or after to see what distance I ran. And I had a few routes where I knew if I got to this light post, it was 
going to be a seven mile run. So it was just so different from our GPS era. I mean, I definitely have recollections of running with a Walkman and then more than it, I was so amazing when I got a little shuffle and could listen to music. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, these are the realities of those of us who are masters runners and we look back on running in our, in our twenties. But I remember, you know, I certainly missed some runs. Um, probably didn't care about that as much as I, as I do now. And I also had no idea what pace I should be targeting. I, I didn't really do tune-up races. I, I didn't have any sort of race plan when I did my marathons. I really wish I had splits because I know I probably went out way too fast in all, um, all three of those marathons that I did back then. And now, you know, I, I um, run six or seven days a week and, you know, run my, my easy days quite, quite easy. I, I often kind of do a nine and a half or 10 minute mile to get started. So, you know, maybe that's um, a slightly less resilient body, right, that I have now. Um, I didn't know what a foam roller was back then or, or weights, really, right? So I think I take care of myself more. I'm not right. going out and, and going to the bars on a Friday or Saturday night like I did back then. So I think training now with children, a more demanding job, and just the discipline and perspective and patience of being, you know, 20, 15 to 20 years older. Okay. So how did the pandemic, you know, affect your training and running? So at first it was really hard. Um, I would say in, in my, you know, parenting, you know, relationship, my husband was tackling a really challenging renovation project as his job this past year. So all of the parenting and kind of virtual schooling fell on me. I have a third grader and a kindergartner. So back then they were in preschool and second grade. Um, doing virtual learning with a preschooler was very challenging, especially <laughs> while I was trying to do a full-time job. Trying right. was the key word there. Everybody was very understanding because so many people were tackling this. Um, of course, I felt very lucky to have had my job during this whole time. So I know I'm lucky and it's, you know, it feels silly to say how hard it was, but it was hard from a time management and, you know, just mentally um, draining kind of perspective. So I had this, I'd say kind of like March of last year, you know, all my spring races got canceled. So I kind of had to process that and I had maybe four weeks where I didn't really run. I felt short of breath. I think I was under a lot of stress. I don't think I had COVID. It hadn't really come to my town that much then. I mean, the fall was a very different story. So I, I wasn't really running. I kind of just was finding things hard. Um, then was like, okay, I'm ready to start running and just tried to get up earlier and head out the door before everybody kind of got up. So I started running again. You know, it was all by myself, of course, back then. Um, and then um, the McCurdy trained uh, group organized a series of mile races. And that, and I'd say a few runs where I was like, I'm going to go for some Strava segments. And that brought me some fun and joy. So it was Strava segments kind of helped me build a little fitness and kind of just an appreciation for for running again and then training for a mile race, which, you know, I had, I had, I don't know, I'm so silly. But after Chicago, I ran a half marathon maybe five weeks later and then found a track 
mile race. So I, I, um, it was at Liberty University in Lynchburg and they have a beautiful banked 200 meter indoor track. And, you know, as I've mentioned, I'd never done indoor track before. So I had one mile race under my belt. Um, in December of, of 19. And of course this one, you had to run outside on the roads. Um, and I live in a very hilly town. So it was super hard finding a flat stretch, but I found a pretty good mile stretch on a sort of busy road. But if you run in the morning, it's not terrible. And so I did four mile race kind of time trials really. Um, and training for that was really fun. And my Charlottesville, Charlottesville track club coach, his son is a high school coach. Um, and he gave me some workouts to do. So that was kind of when the joy of running came back to me during the pandemic. Okay. And I hear that a lot from a lot of people is that, you know, they really appreciated running for the art of running, you know, over the past year, you know, not having any races, just being able to get out and just enjoy it. Yes. And I think at that point that started happening to me. So I started finding gravel roads out in the countryside, um, maybe kind of late summer started doing some social runs with friends again. Um, I did some awesome trail runs. I live near the Appalachian Trail. So I'm, kind of, I'm in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. So we have mountains on both sides and there are some really epic trail runs. So it was great to um, kind of occasionally get to do that. Of course, my kids were still home. So it was this incredible juggling of time management. Um, but yes, I kind of found the joy and the why again after having like a little bit of a rough patch. Okay. So let's talk about uh, your go-to running shoe. You know, everybody has a, a particular shoe that they love. They're like, okay, this is the shoe I use. This is it. What's your Okay, so I pronate. I have flat feet and I, oh, I'm starting to get some pretty, uh, the, some, some bunions, shall we say. So I definitely pronate and that's been a challenge all the way back to high school. I was actually told at one point by a podiatrist I should stop running, which I didn't want to hear and ended up getting a second opinion <laughs> and was told, no, it's okay to keep running. But, you know, that's a challenge for me. And so I do the majority of my runs in a stability shoe. The New Balance 860 has, um, you know, logged many, many miles for me and I have a insert in it. I don't have my kind of grandma orthotics anymore. I have a power step insert with a little metatarsal um, pad on my right foot, which is, you know, I haven't quite figured out what causes it all, but the, the right foot is the one that pronates more. It's kind of interesting. And often like I'll have more niggles or little aches in, on my right side. Um, but then I, you know, for a long time, that's all when I started back again in, in December of 2018. So I was pretty much only running in stability shoes and then slowly realized, oh, wait, there are all of these specialized shoes. So it's kind of, I, in many ways, I've kind of, you know, I'm an experienced runner in some ways, but because I've come back to it so much later and everything's changed, I, I'm kind of a new runner in some way. So um, I have enjoyed some racing flats um i'd say the new balance 1500 has probably been my favorite in that category and then i decided in my training for um, a marathon this this spring so i just ran a marathon maybe three weeks ago i ran in the saucony endorphin pros and 
oh my gosh when i first put those on i was like you're kidding me right it's like i get to run in this um the nike alpha flies i tried on at the running store and i just laughed the whole time i ran like tested those out so that was a little too much springiness for me but i love those stockings i think about them like i think that's a pretty special shoe it, it worked really well for me i was very very happy with them and i think you know sure there's this um efficiency while you're running but the recovery after my marathon was staggeringly different than after chicago okay so you just recently ran a marathon and i'm safely assuming this is the first marathon you know since the start of the pandemic so how was it for you it was the first marathon since the pandemic so it had been i guess a year and a half approximately and i i had trained for a half marathon in the fall um that was put on by sports backers in richmond it was definitely more of a kind of time trial vibe so it was it was pretty awesome being part of a race i mean there were three waves of us so i actually ended up running pretty much by myself the whole time but it still felt like a race um it was in chesapeake virginia so near norfolk um, on a very flat um, trail, kind of like a road beside a canal in the dismal swamp. So it doesn't sound like the best place to run. And it, it ended up being a, you know, a day that did, it did get a little bit warm, I'd say, for the second half. So that certainly impacted all of us. But, you know, we kind of knew it was going to be warm. So I think everybody, um, you know, you could, you could at least affect what you wore and how your whatever your hydration plan was going to be but yeah i set a pr and i didn't quite stick to my race plan as well as i should have but i was really thrilled with the results congratulations on that PR. thank you all right so next question is going to be kind of a two-part question your proudest moment as a runner and then your worst moment or biggest mistake you've made as a runner Oh, wow. Um, proudest moment. I mean, sure, results you can be really proud of. I think for me, though, it probably was kind of what I've achieved since July. So in July, I decided, okay, I'm going to invest in myself and hire a one-on-one -on -one coach. Like, let's do this and have full accountability and have somebody really push me. Right, because the plan I did with the Charlottesville Track Club, no one was checking on my paces, no one was holding me accountable. I just had to do that myself. So um, I started working with Heather McCurdy from that McCurdy Train group that you know a friend of mine trains with them, but also um, I think they did such a great job with that mile race series. Um, it was great to start working with her. So I think I think I'm probably proudest of the consistency and kind of pushing my limits right i didn't i used I, when i was training for chicago i was running five days a week and pool running one day and then had a rest day and i think i maxed out at maybe like low 50s mileage wise for a week and then training for this most recent marathon started running seven days a week with a super easy day the day after my track workout like three miles um and then kind of got up to about 70. so i think this realization that you can keep pushing yourself, age doesn't matter. I think that, I, I think I'm proud of that. 
And then what mistakes have I made? I mean, I've had some silly little injuries since I've gotten back to running. Um, I played pickleball in, in my running shoes, and I think I got runner's knee as a, as a result in my Chicago buildup. Um, I think comparing myself to others and then maybe that leading to, again, race anxiety, pre-race anxiety. I, I, I think I started to conquer that. I didn't feel anxious before this marathon, but... Um, not a mistake it's a reality right we want to do well right but we put pressure on ourselves so i wouldn't call it a mistake but i'd say that's something i'm working on okay okay all right let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about faster as a master's runner yes um and I, that's how you and i connected so explain that to the listeners what, what it is exactly. Yeah, so, you know, master's runner, in some circles, it's 35 and over, but I think typically in the States, it's 40 years and older, you're actually classified as a, a master's yeah. runner, and we have our own set of awards after a race, potentially, and, um, you know, I came back to running, right, in 2018 as a 41-year-old, and I'd say that I, I don't think I had the growth mindset I needed I definitely thought I might have limitations because I was older and that's wrong. Um, not everybody gets faster as they age, but for most of us, there's no reason why we can't. Um, and faster is, is very relative. Um, but I guess it was last fall. Um, so during the pandemic, I was just kind of wanting to connect with other runners who were, you know, also in their 40s or 50s, you know, other masters runners who were working really hard and setting goals and doing their best to try to achieve those goals. And I would see that some runners would, you know, either put it in their profile on Instagram or tag themselves with a hashtag masters runner. But what I was also finding was that, you know, not huge races like Chicago, but smaller races, I was being beaten by these amazing women in their 40s. Um, and not to go into any race expecting that I would be first in my age group, but I think I always have a goal of trying to be, you know, top five in my age group. But these women were placing in the top three in races. So I just kind of really started processing all of this and realizing, you know, whatever I've achieved in, at Chicago, a 318 marathon, I can go faster than that if I want to. I need to train hard. I need to be consistent. I need to avoid injury, but I, there's nothing to limit what I can achieve. Um, obviously, like we all probably have some sort of limit, but that was a really cool mindset to adopt. And so I thought, why not try to highlight some of these masters runners? Um, there was a really cool series on Instagram. And I think the woman, I think her name is Sarah Ibbotson. I think she started a website too, but she highlighted all these um, women who had, who were trying to qualify for the Olympic trials and they missed it by like seconds or a few minutes. And I loved that series. So I thought, why don't I try to do something sort of similar with masters runners? And oh my gosh, there are so many of them and they're so inspiring. Um, so I called it faster as a masters runner. I try to highlight a master's runner every Monday, occasionally it's on Tuesday. Um, but, but people have really enjoyed it. And it's, 
enabled me to connect, you know, with people like you, with so many other masters runners, you know, some of them are do athletes like you who also do a lot of running. Some are triathletes. A lot of them are, are runners. Um, I think I'm going to get to, to highlight a, um, a master's long jumper soon. So it's cool. You know, these people are um, pushing themselves and I think there's a lot of community and a lot of the runners that I've connected with on Instagram who are in their thirties are also really enjoying the series. And maybe for them, it shows, Oh, turning 40 is no big deal. I can still keep um, really pushing it. So started it in December and have highlighted 29 runners. I have so many people on my wish list. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't know how long I'll do it for, but I certainly want to do it for at least a year. And there's no shortage of, of you know, inspiring runners to highlight. Oh, yeah. You, you'll never have a shortage of runners. Believe me. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep doing it. Just, you know, never yeah, stop. You, you'll never have a shortage. Occasionally, I regret calling it faster as a master's runner because for a few runners, that's maybe been like, ooh, you know, I don't want to be highlighted right now because I haven't peed a PR since I've become a master's runner. And, you know, I try to highlight runners of all different abilities, right? Like some are new runners, some are, you know, thrilled to, um, you know, run a four-hour marathon. And, you know, some of them are running two 24 marathons. So it's a real range and you know sometimes i think i should have just called it like monday masters runner but i want faster to really be whatever that individual runner considers their achievements and goal setting as a masters runner yes yes all right with, with that in mind what's your message to people who say it's too late to start you know i'm in my 40s i got family, you know, job responsibilities, yeah, it's too late for me to start running. So I would say why? Like, here are all these examples of, you know, many runners starting in their 40s who keep showing up, they're consistent, and they are getting faster. So, you know, whatever your goals are, I think if you just keep going, especially those first several weeks where it's really hard when you start running, um, but if you find your community and you find the running friends or group or training group that inspires you, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to set limits. Okay. Where do you see yourself as a runner in the next five years? So I would love to still be running at like, hopping into races in five years. Um, <laughs> you know, I, there are some pretty amazing runners um, in their 50s who are setting world records. And, you know, I'm not saying I'll be doing that, but I want to keep running um, for the next 5, 10, 15 years competitively, like in my age group. Um, I'm really enjoying that. I I don't know, Eric, it's a big, hairy goal, but I would love to break three hours in the marathon. Um, so that is a goal. And I don't know how fast I can get in the mile or those shorter distances, but I want to keep tackling those also. And then I, I don't think I want to run an ultra, but I do want to maybe start doing trail races. I've never really raced on trails and I, I think that would be pretty awesome. I, I started doing trails a little bit more, especially during the pandemic. 
and I'm actually enjoying it. It's a it's it's a little bit more tranquility running, you know, a trail, you know, no cars, no real distractions, it's just you and wilderness, woods. Is it hard to learn how to go fast downhill? I will tell you from experience. And and yes, I fall yes. and I have scars <laughs> on my knees now. <laughs> You you have to really change up your running style, you know. Whereas you know on the roads you might take long strides, you're taking much shorter strides. You know you're you're looking more down. Whereas they always tell you to look up when you're running on the road, you're looking down to see what's in front of you. And when you're running downhill, you really have to be careful you know, where your foot lands. And it also depends on where the truck, uh, what's on the trail. If it's a rocky trail, if it's a lot of sticks and branches because you can easily slip. Well, that's really cool. And I think it just shows how versatile our sport is, right? That, you know, you can set right. these challenges and there are all of these new ones. And I think Des Linden and her 50K world record, you yes. know, it shows that, right? Yes. Like here she's setting some new targets, knocking them out of the park. And what will she do next? Exactly, exactly. All right, so what is a non-running fact about you that most people... Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, probably I can stump most people that I am British, right? I don't don't sound British at all, <laughs> but occasionally... No, I mean, you really Occasionally don't. I'll yeah. pronounce, pronounce something <laughs> and, you know, in a funny way and people be like, oh, what? that's funny. Um, and then actually in my day job, I'm an urban planner and I work for a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. So I work remotely and we use um, Lego and Duplo blocks to simulate, you know, building a neighborhood. So I think that's always something mm -hmm. fun, kind of unique, right? My children think it's wild that I play with Lego and Duplo <laughs> blocks at work. You play with toys. Mom plays with toys at work. Don't steal ours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if we come to the end, what's next for you? Are you training for anything now or are you getting ready for any? Race? So I'm just coming out of my recovery period. My coach is really awesome. I mean, she's very, very um, mindful of recovery and adaptation and kind of a pause after a training cycle. So I took two weeks completely off and then I'm in my third week right now where it's just kind of running for fun. So I'm anticipating that whatever speed workout I have next week is going to hurt really bad. Um, but I, I've signed up for a, a 5K just to kind of have something fun. It's a great local race at the end of April. And then uh, a 10K at the end of May put on by the same um, race organizers, the Tidewater Striders, who put on the marathon that I did. I was super impressed with them. I mean top-notch race director and volunteers um so they have a 10k with a pretty competitive field um i'd like to see if i could maybe pr in the 10k but it might be super hot so maybe i'll regret saying that and then i <laughs> got into berlin for 2020 um in the lottery um and you know with um, my friend Monica, who lives in our town, who's actually how I heard about you, Eric. She loves following you. So, I, you know, we were so excited to do that. Obviously, it didn't happen. And we're in it, you know, deferred for this year, this fall. Um, it's in September. And, of course, it feels very unknown if, you know, P 
people are going to be allowed to visit Germany, right? Um, I couldn't go tomorrow. So we'll see what happens with that race. Um, and then trying to decide if I sign up for Boston. And again, like, will that race look like even what we're expecting it might look like now with 20,000 runners. So those are kind of the two target potential marathons. But if not, I think I would just try to find a smaller, you know, more local marathon in the fall. Okay. Sophie, thank you for being thank on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. It's really nice to connect with you, and I'm enjoying your podcast very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And if anybody wanted to connect with you, how can they do so? So I haven't started any sort of website for the Faster as a Masters Runner series. It's solely on my Instagram, which is um, at runner underscore Sophie. So that's it in terms of um, my presence online, um, but I am enjoying connecting with, you know, r- runners of all ages on Instagram. All right, cool. Yeah. Thank Thanks you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. And that's it. For this episode of No Limits Just Sweat, I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for your support, and until next time, keep crushing your goals.